Thank you very much for having me, Mark. I'd love to jump right in to our discussion by asking you to read the, uh, this passage, the, the first one from your book. I stepped out into the night and saw trucks being fueled up and started, weapons belts being loaded, men running and shouting. Ethan and I were ready to go. We helped move some stores and gear into the beds of trucks and then hopped in. I remember all the movement and excitement as our convoy got ready to move. The moments before battle battle are always like this. Adrenaline starts pumping and you feel in yourself a strength as a man and as a warrior. There's no doubting or questioning your purpose in life. You must kill the enemy. I will kill the enemy. I can't lie about this. The feeling is intoxicating. Just for the listener's uh, perspective, Ethan was a former U.S. Marine uh, who eventually joined you in Iraq to help fight alongside the Peshmerga. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Ethan, he's a great guy. He had done a tour in Ambar province with the U.S. Marine Corps in 2006, and he was the only one in our online group other than me that decided to make the journey over. In this particular scene that you read, you were riding into battle, not the first battle that you fought in Iraq with the Kurds, but you're riding in the back of a white Toyota pickup truck. You soldiered in, a, in Afghanistan with the Canadian Army, and in this book, you're talking about soldiering with the Kurds in Iraq. What are the big differences? Well, right off the bat, I would say orders. I mean, in the Canadian military, we do orders. It's a fairly lengthy process. Uh, the officer giving them will repeat things about three or four times, and you know every little detail is drilled down. Over there, it was kind of like get your gear load up uh, and we there wasn't one time where we knew exactly what we were going to do right near the beginning of the book you describe soldiering with the canadian army in afghanistan you were i think the last uh, one of the last canadian uh, troops to be over there yeah we were the last rotation yeah you describe that as being unfulfilling how so i guess i would draw a comparison to my time in Iraq and when I when I went to Iraq the locals the Peshmerga loved seeing me out there uh, you know the Peshmerga would stop when there was a lull in the battle and take pictures with me the locals would come out and same thing take pictures you know wave shake hands I had virtually no interaction with the Afghan population and I got the distinct feeling that they didn't care to have us there. Do you feel like you're an occupying force in Afghanistan? I, I I don't know what to feel because there was just there was no interaction. So I I just don't know if I I, I didn't feel great about being there. But what was left undone? You talk about your unfulfilled in Afghanistan. What did you need to fulfill that drew you back into soldiering? Well. I guess, you, you know, I was sitting there watching this ISIS genocide unfold on the evening news while I was working up in Alberta, you know, reading stories about the mass rape and enslavement of Yazidis, ISIS decapitating people, murdering people, you know, we've all seen the, the videos. And, you know, I, 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 wanted, I just wanted to help people. And... That's something I didn't feel 
I really accomplished in Afghanistan. And, you know, there was the fact that there was about 90 Canadians over there fighting for ISIS, committing these atrocities. And I felt like I may be able to use the skills I learned in the Canadian military to provide some balance. And then there was Nathan Cirillo and Warren Officer Patrice Vincent, which were, you know, murdered by ISIS-inspired jihadis. I know there wasn't a direct connection, but, you know, that hit close to home. That was the, the moment I decided, yeah, I'm going to go uh, go help the Kurds fight these people. You write in the book about your hatred of the evil that ISIS represents and your desire to get to the front line to get, quote, trigger time and kills. Uh, you write, sometimes in life you have to do the right thing despite the risks and the dangers. That's what it means to be a man and a soldier. When you look back now at that time, how much of your drive do you think was an altruistic desire to defeat evil uh, compared to how much of it was a, a compulsion that I think a lot of soldiers have to prove yourself, whether that's to yourself or to somebody else, I don't know. It, I, I mean, the main motivation was to go help people. I, I didn't go there with the explicit intention of killing people. I knew that it may happen. But, you, you know, mostly I wanted to just like help the Kurds. I think they're great people. They, you know, whether someone's Sunni, Shia, Arabic, Yazidi, Christian, they protect everybody. And I feel like they're fighting for humanity. So that that was the main motivation. And, you know, if I got to prove myself in combat, I mean, that's, I, I mean, that's not why I went, but I, I, I felt like it may happen. And you did get a chance uh, to get into combat. You got into a lot of it in Iraq. Um, in the book, you describe your first real taste of battle in Iraq on a bridge at Tel El Ward. Uh, you were attached to the Kurdish People's Party at the time, which uh, which the PKK, the, a lot of Canadians, I think, would consider them a terrorist group. You yourself describe how they're a pretty unsavory group of people. Uh, you were working for a, a platoon commander that you call PKK Ali, and you ended up rushing across a defended bridge right through the enemy's kill zone and up a deadly hill on the other side. Uh, I'd like you to read this second package from your passage from your book, which describes that. There is only one way across the canal, a single bridge about 50 meters long that spanned the water. Like the rest of the country, the Kurds were on one side and ISIS on the other. PKK Ali shoved, shoved my shoulder again. There was no common language between us, but his meaning was clear as he gestured to the bridge and the bridgehead in front. I looked into PKK commander's eyes and nodded my understanding, then agreement. If we're going to cross, there would be no hesitation, no time to think or question. I'd come here to kill the enemy. The enemy was over the bridge, so that's where I had to go. A terrifying prospect. The one thing I wanted to ask you about that particular scene, though, is because I think there comes a time... Uh, for every soldier when you're suddenly faced with this very clear realization that you're about to do something that's probably, at least possibly, but probably going to get you killed. What's that moment like? Can you describe it for us? Well, you know what? I didn't really start thinking about what would have happened if I got shot until after I was home. I mean, I... It was a couple of weeks after I got home and I was uh, 
watching uh, all my GoPro footage and, you, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to talk about this later, but uh, Brother Han who got shot in the face. I mean, I was thinking, like, what if I got shot in the face? Like, what would that have felt like? What What would I have done? What would have happened to me? And, but the whole time I was over there, I, it really didn't enter my mind. And maybe that's a coping mechanism or stupidity. I don't, I don't know. Um, the Brothathan that you're talking about was a Peshmerga soldier. In that battle, you'd ridden up to that battle with him in a truck. You seemed to have developed some of a rapport and then you watched him get shot. Describe that for me and how did that feel? Yeah, so I I don't know exactly where he was situated, maybe 10 feet away from me uh, on the berm, kind of in the prone position. He I didn't see him go down. I just turned around and he was on the ground. So he got shot uh, on the right side or left side of the nose and out the cheek. And I rushed over, grabbed him by the collar of his shirt, drug him kind of undercover and started, you know, doing what I was trained to do and bandaging him up. And, and, and that, that was, uh, that's what I went there to do more, more than anything is just, I, I, I helped him. I helped him, you know, on an individual level. I'm not going to sit here and say that I saved his life, but that's, those are the kinds of things I like to remember.